This episode of the 343 podcast is supported by Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics is offering you an additional 10% discount because they know that you are serious about high quality soccer products if you are listening to this show. Training balls from Bounce Athletics can be customized with your logo and your color scheme and will only cost you about $15 to $20 per ball. And if you compare similar textured training balls from Nike, Adidas, or Select, those would be in the $50 to $60 range. Now, I've personally tested the balls from Bounce Athletics. They feel great. They look great. They roll great. They hold air, which is super important. They are legit, and I highly recommend them. To top everything off, Bounce Athletics will send you complimentary mock-ups of what your balls will look like with your logo on them. Just email your logo to info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. And remember to mention 343 so you get that additional 10% discount when you place your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. This episode with John Kokoris is one of my all-time favorites. And I know, I've said that before, it's a bold statement, but this one is jumping towards the top of the pile. Why is it doing that? Because of the language that he uses. It's very unique, and it really, really impressed me. But I'm not talking about cussing or anything like that. I'm talking about the way that he describes different actions and moments on and off the field. He sounds completely different than the typical American soccer coach, not even just from a language standpoint, but from a cadence standpoint. I think everybody can kind of replay a soccer game on TV in their head and imagine the commentators using the same boring cadence over and over and over again in American soccer. This breaks that mold. John is from New York and has a Greek background, so naturally those cultures have influenced how he sees and teaches the game. But he also gives a lot of credit to his mentors that come from different backgrounds and provide different perspectives. And one of those perspectives and one of the best parts of this episode is when John talks about his desire to win. And again, I absolutely love that, and I hope that you do too. I've never recommended this before, but I think that you should grab a pen and a piece of paper right now and take notes during this episode because it is loaded with gold nuggets. And I filled up a a little note card that I keep right next to my computer when I am interviewing people. And it's rare that I fill up one note card, but I went and spilled over into another note card. And I tweeted a picture of that note card the other day that highlighted some of the language and, and quotes that John was using during the episode. So I think that you should grab one too. Uh, and if you enjoy this episode, maybe share your notes and, and put those out there for people to see. I think that would be interesting of, uh, maybe a little interesting experiment. And, uh, if you enjoy this episode, maybe consider sharing it on social media. If you are not already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google play. I'm probably missing a handful. Um, yep. And just wherever you're listening, you can, you can subscribe. And if you are listening somewhere that allows you to give a rating or a review, please do that. That would be amazing. 
And if you want to support this podcast, you can do that by signing up for the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. That is the absolute best way to support the, the podcast, actually. So what do you get with that membership program? Well, you get an online program that provides you with the best coaching education for a fraction of the price of other licenses and courses that are out there. And long before this podcast existed, I was actually a member of the 343 program. I was able to learn things that added value to my team and to my personal education without getting confused or distracted or bogged down by excess information that had little or nothing to do with how I wanted my teams to actually play. The 343 membership program teaches you a proven possession-based methodology and allows you to study and learn from one of the best coaches in American soccer. And that online education is delivered to you through videos of real games and real training sessions that help you learn the core activities so you can start coaching possession soccer yourself. You also get ebooks, audio lessons, recorded classroom presentations, on-field clinics, and there are online forums for networking and sharing ideas with other 343 members. And you get 24-7 online access to all of that, plus a little bit more once you get inside the actual membership itself for the incredible price of $295. It's seriously, it's the best bang for your buck that I've experienced in American soccer coaching education. And trust me, I've done everything from, you know, taking actual USSF courses. A lot of you guys have heard me talk about my C license experience to Corver courses to buying DVDs and books, whatever, all of that stuff could have been easily bypassed by just having a program like this. So if, uh, if you're wondering why I'm so passionate about it, it's because I've gone through everything else that is available, and this is what I consider to be the absolute best. If you want to learn more about the benefits or see a little bit about or a little bit more about what this program entails, you can find all that information at 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right, let's get into this episode. One of my all-time favorites. I hope you have your pen and your piece of paper ready for this episode with John Kokoris. Enjoy. Hey, John, how's it going? What's up, man? How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, do you want to try to mess around and see if you could do the the do not disturb thing? No, no, we're good. All Just good? Just ignore them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You sound, it makes me makes me uh, feel like you're a popular guy. You're going to get a bunch of phone calls right now? <laughs> no, I, I, no uh, I got three in the last half hour, so I think uh, <laughs> you know, I had to ask. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, cool. Ready to go then? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Um, let's uh, let's start with with who you are and 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 what you do, and and then uh, I have a I have a bunch of questions for you, but I think that's uh, that's always the best place to start. Let's uh, let's get a feel for for the the type of work that you're doing. All right, cool. Well, uh, I didn't even know we were recording, so thank you for uh, <laughs> having me. <laughs> no, it's funny. Thanks. I don't tell people. I never tell people that I'm going to record from from the beginning just to see like how it goes, and and I I always feel like it, it's more natural that way. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I respect that, man. No, I, uh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and um, it's really cool to be on here. So, thank you. Um, 
So my name is John Kokoris. I coach um, in Queens and Long Island in New York. Um, I'll kind of get into my background a little bit just so you know, um, you know how I got into what I'm doing. Um, the landscape in New York soccer has changed dramatically since I've been playing. Um, when I w- I'm 30 years old now. So when I started playing, it was very recreational. Um, and I got lucky enough to hear about um, this guy named Paul Riley, who was coaching over at Albertson, uh, which is uh, one of the bigger clubs in Long Island. Um, he was a coach at the Rough Riders right before he took over at Albertson. And he was starting a U12 team. So I went to the tryouts and this guy, Gary Ablett, uh, he was a former captain of Liverpool. Um, I think he also might have been the captain, but he was also playing at Everton. Uh, and he's the only guy to win the FA Cup with Everton and Liverpool. Um, and he's like really respected over there. So he was like the coach. Paul Riley was like the coach uh, slash director. Um, and that was the first team he took in that club. And everything down would be his. Uh, he's also the women's coach with the W, um, well, the women's MLS team, uh, the Courage. And he just won the championship there. Um, so he's like, you know, he's a he's pretty uh, professional coach for that kind of environment back then. And he he was like really introduced me to like what it's like to be in a professional environment at 12 years old. Um everything was, you know, training uniforms, be there, you know, a certain time before the practices. Uh, Gary was like, you know, obviously a big shot. And, you know, just being in that environment and being around those people and attracting the players that we attracted was, you know, um, unbelievable. From there, I went to a, um, over at the Red Storm. It wasn't St. John's. It was a, a Red Storm Academy for the Super Y League. I went to I went to that program under David Price, and I played some you know Super Wiley ball up until I was like 16, and then when I was like 16 years old, um, I went with the Greek Americans to a trip to Greece, and I didn't really have a good experience there because um, I was doing really well with some you know big players. There was um, a couple like national team players in that team. Um, kids that were playing over at Fordham. I was 16 years old. It was like a U20 team, I think. So there was kids playing at Fordham, like D1 colleges. I think there was a kid out of Loyola over there. And I was doing really well as a player, um, you know, scoring goals around these other, you know, big name players. I was scoring like three, four goals a game in friendlies in New York. And then once we went over to Greece, we played Panathinaikos the first game. I didn't play. Um, the second game, I think we played Iraklis. I didn't play again. And then the last game, it was against, uh, I think it was Pauk, another big club in Greece. And um, that game, he started me. Um, I scored in the ninth minute. I, you know, I, I took a pass off a, a defender. I, I anticipated a pass. I went around the goalie. I scored. And then uh, about in the 13th minute or 14th minute, something around there, I know it was before the 15th minute, um, a cross came in, I headed it, I went over the goalie, hit the post, whatever. It was a corner. On that corner, I got substituted out, and it's like a FIFA rule. So, like, you know, you're out, you're out. 15th minute, I scored and hit the post. So when I got back to the United States, and that was it, that was the tournament, three games, right? So when I got back to the United States, I was like, 
you know, screw this shit, man. Like if I can't, you know, like if I can't prove myself and people are always, there's, you know, these people are always going to say to me, you can't, you know, whatever you can't play. Even if like I, I earned myself, I prove myself. I was like really, you know, discouraged. And I don't know, I probably should have pushed through knowing now what I know. But, you know, at that time, I was 16 years old. I was stubborn. I was like, I'm done. Played my last year at a, at a high school. I got some college offers. I wasn't interested. I went to school for business. And then, I, you know, I was really angry at the sport, to be honest, for like two, three years. And then when I was like 21, I was like, all right, you know, it was like this pull, you know, this magnetic pull. I was like, you know, soccer is what I do. I love soccer. And um, I got back into coaching thanks to my friend Shola, who's over at a coaches out of cedar stars right now in new jersey and um so yeah he introduced me to session he brought me down i loved it it was you know awesome i fit right in he told me you know like you're meant for this kind of stuff so um i started doing some independent work and out of coincidence you know i coached this game over uh it was in uniondale um in long island and this old man, he like he has to take a picture of the team after the after the game, so he put the team in the goal, one of those like team pictures, and on the way back, I, I just remember it so clearly. He's like, uh, "Are you Greek?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm Greek." And he's like, "I'm an honorary Greek. I played with the Greek Americans." I said, "You know, I mentioned how I did as well." And then um, he's like, "Tell me about yourself." So I'm like, "Well, I'm like, you know, I love soccer." He's like, "All right, done. Stop right there. You love soccer. That's all I need to hear." He gave me his phone number. He's like, call me anytime. Uh, I called him over Christmas break. I think it was 2012. Um, and I went to his house. He was getting his house um, reconstructed. He was moving. So he was like under construction. It was just me and him and a bunch of workers. And I was there for like eight and a half hours. And this guy like tore me apart. Um, everything I said, he was just like, you're missing the boat. You know, you're like, like you're not, you're thinking like, you're thinking about too much stuff, but you're missing the groundwork of what soccer is and what he calls his practical soccer. Um, Tom Byer spoke about it with you um, on your podcast with him. I never heard anybody say it like this before. Um, but when Tom Byer, you know, when he mentioned he's 62, uh, he's, uh, yeah, I think he was born in 1962 or whatever. He was like, he's something like 57 years old. I'm sorry, Tom, if I'm making you sound old. <laughs> but, um, what he said when he was talking to you about the generations and like how every decade and every World Cup winner, you know, everybody kind of follows that model over the next couple of years. And it's like a flavor of the month type thing. Joe and Joe Miso, my, my mentor, he introduced me to that day one. Um, he's 74 years old. He's been coaching for 56 years. At like, he's, you know, um, I could talk more about him, you know, all day long. But so this guy introduced me to, um, you know, practical soccer, which is like all those generations have something in common. Even if they play a different playing style, they all have things in common where it's like kind of keep the ball out of your own goal, have a have a have a plan of how you want to attack the other team's goal. Um, things that matter, such as like the mentality, the um, the physical part of the game, uh, the, um, the you know you need you know you need game changers. You need like one or two players with creativity who are going to break the mold in a tight game. Um, and like, uh, you know, just how you can influence the game and things like that as a coach, you know, so he kind of introduced me to all those things. Um, and then I started a program called Johan junior soccer, which is basically, um, it's a staff of coaches 
and we have like different services that we offer. We do like, you know, camps, clinics, we do team training. Um, and now we're starting our, you know, we have like our own little, uh, group of little kids from like six, five or six years old to 10. And we're popping out our own teams out of there. Um, and that program's kind of just, you know, a lot of ball mastery, you know, getting kids comfortable on the ball, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. And then once we have a group of the same level, we'll put them into tournaments and competition. And then from their leagues and stuff, um, with, for, uh, Joe also introduced me to BW Gachi. Um, I've been over there. Uh, I think the first time I stepped foot over there was uh, 2013, 2014. Uh, and I also worked with uh, Boca Juniors USA. Uh, they had an academy in um, Long Island. And I met this guy, Gaston. Um, I met one of my best friends and coaches, this guy, Jose, over there. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at now. I'm not with Boca anymore. I'm with Gachi and uh, Johan. Um, all the coaches I named still work with me. Um, if you have any questions from like the stuff I mentioned, we could go into it or uh, wherever you want to go from here. Yeah, there's a there's always like a, a hundred million ways that we can that we can go. Uh, I, I wrote down some notes that I want to go back to a couple different things. So this guy Joe, this this you know seventy four year old guy, the honorary Greek American, he became your mentor. Um, I, this is this is the guy we were we were messaging about the other night. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he's awesome. Yeah. Um you you mentioned that you went to his house and you guys spent, you know, eight and a half hours, whatever, talking, but you mentioned specifically that he tore you apart. And I I, I want you to kind of think back and, and maybe describe, you know, what what he tore apart and how he tore it apart, because this is something that a lot of people do not have when it comes to coaching education and, and mentorship in American soccer. They don't have somebody that can challenge their ideas and, and tear them apart. And and I, I like the way that you describe that too, like tear them apart because yeah, you, you need to break everything down, like completely break everything down and be able to, um, well, you need to break everything down in order to understand it, but you also need to be able to explain all your, all, all of uh, your beliefs and, and, um, yeah, just, just everything in general. And a lot of, a lot of coaches aren't able to do that. Like if they get challenged, they aren't able to actually explain their beliefs. And I feel like that is a big thing that is missing and you got it. It seems like on day one with this guy. So, um, yeah, if you can go back to that moment where he was, you know, tearing you apart, what specifically? All right. So, um, he asked me the first thing, one of the first things he asked me was, uh, how do you, how do you, you know, what's your philosophy of the game? You know, what do you want your teams to look like? So I started to talk to him. It kind of, it was a very, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool supporter. I've been since I was born. My dad, you know, my dad loves Liverpool and that guy, Gary Ablett that I mentioned, um, he was obviously a huge influence in my life. Um, so this guy, uh, Joe, so what he did was he's like, how do you want to play? And <laughs> it was just so Liverpool, you know, it was like, I want, you know, pass and move. I want people to be inter interchanging positions. Um, you know, I, I want to develop players in more of a position than one. Um, it, all the right buzzwords, you know, all that, like, you know, new age, modern coaching, you know, which he, you know, he's accepted towards, but he was basically saying like, you're talking about the icing on the cake, 
and you're missing, you know, the cake. So the first thing he told me was, you need conviction. He's like, you need to develop a conviction. And it only happens through experience and like being in the trenches of the game and like grinding hours and hours and hours of doing, you know, what you believe in, uh, which I'll talk about. Um, don't let me forget about talking about Boca Juniors because that was a, a, a soccer educational that was how I got like my soccer education as a coach, my coaching diploma. Like that's it. Like I'll, I'll explain to you how that worked. It was very weak. So um, Joe, uh, he's like, you need conviction. That's the first thing he said. I don't care if you're dealing with a six-year-old or a 25-year-old professional. They smell it on your voice when you don't know what you're talking about. Like you need to believe in your own words in order to sell it. Um, he's like, you need to be able to sell yourself in order for people to buy into to buy into you. So um, that was the first thing. Like I'll never forget the way he said conviction, a hundred percent. And then you know, as we started talking, uh, I remember there was like a, a you know the workers were there obviously, and they were finished with their pizza box. We didn't have anything, right? So he flipped over the pizza box, and he cut the pizza box into four fields on there. And he's like, draw how you want your team to get from the back to the front, you know. And I put a little you know, cute little thing with an overlap and things like that wall pass. And he was like, all right, he's like, um, let me explain to you about this book I read called El Metodo or El, The Method. Um, I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want to be incorrect in saying, but I think it was Vittorio Pozzo. It was an Italian national team coach, I think, in the 50s, if I'm wrong, you know, whatever I'm wrong. But uh, it, it was definitely El Metodo and it was Italian. So and I think it was Vittorio Pozzo. So you could, um, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But please let me know if I'm wrong. So um, in this book, he basically said in the back in our final third, I mean, excuse me, in the defensive third, we're looking to play it wide and get the ball into our midfield with one or two touches. Like get the ball into your midfield as fast as you possibly can. From there in the midfield, you're looking to play with some balls and, you know, combinations. And you need people that are going to move the ball um, in and out of pressure and kind of draw defense in. And then when there's space behind the defense, you want to play a through ball or, you know, some kind of ball to break the defensive line and get in behind them. Basically, that was El Metodo. I'm not saying that's right, that's wrong. But if you look at all the soccer systems, they have, you know, that I feel like that's kind of like an underpinning, you know, that's a good kind of base of everything. You know, you want to move the ball. And, you know, from the defensive line to the midfield line to the forward line, you need a method or plan of how you do it. In the midfield, that's when you have that creativity or that guy that can illuminate the field and find, like, that deadly killer pass. And if there's space behind the defense and you have the chance to kill them, there's nothing to discuss. You've got to go, you know, make that pass and get the, the, your forwards behind the line. So that was a huge thing that I, I learned that day. Um, and since then, I've been just, you know, being my own – person and uh he told me also that day one don't be a clone of anybody else you know steal from people but you have to develop your own identity because that's how you're going to develop conviction i could tag along next to Guardiola or simeone or you know bielsa or you know klopp and i could be with them every single day of the year but i'm not them you know so i have to at the end of the day find what i believe in and do what i you know what what i um resonate with and that's me. That's my style. And that's what I'm going to sell. So that's very important. So those are the things I've learned from him. Um, well, those are the first day, at least. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. 
Bounce Athletics are offering you an additional 10% discount just for listening to this episode of the 343 podcast. When I spoke to Zach, the co-founder of Bounce Athletics, he mentioned one of the most common problems that coaches and players and teams have when it comes to their training equipment. And this is what he had to say. Finding goals that are portable, um, that can be moved from environment to environment quickly and perform just as well on grass as they do on turf as they do on hardwood or, or wherever you're at. Thankfully, that problem has been solved thanks to the Dynamo goals made by Bounce Athletics. They have revolutionized people's training sessions. For those that don't know, they're a three by five, all aluminum frame. They fold flat in like five seconds and they you pop them back up and a couple seconds. The moment I saw the Dynamo goals in action, I was totally convinced that these were the best goals on the market. And since using the Dynamo goals, I haven't even touched the other goals that I have had for years. And I was curious about who else was already using these. So I asked Zach, and here's what he had to say. Everything from recreational programs that are using them for their 3v3 and 4v4 to college and pro teams that have 20 of them. 343 listeners get an additional 10% discount when you mention the 343 podcast. Just email info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. All right, let's get back to the show. What's what's jumping out at me as you as you talk about this is the language that you're using. Not that not that it's you know bad or anything. I'm not, I don't I don't I'm not saying that, but it's it's uh it's distinct. And you're using words and, and it seems like you've gotten an education from people that use words that are not typical in American soccer. So like conviction is, is one of the words that jumped out at me. Um, you just, you, you said illuminate the field. That's something that not a lot of people, that's not a phrase that a lot of people would use. You said kill them, which is, is not a phrase that a lot of people would use. You said don't be a clone, which is something that, you know, not, not a lot of people would, would say. And what you get in in you know american soccer coaching education is you get you get clones you get robots and and you get people that come out of you know american coaching classes that all have the same even cadence in the way that they talk and the way that they coach on the field like you, they're literally clones and you you wanted me to remind you about your time with boca juniors because you said that's where you got your coaching diploma and you also mentioned I I wrote all this shit down by the way. So as you're talking, I'm writing I'm writing stuff down. But you said cool. that that you know you're gonna find your conviction by being in the trenches. And that time that you spent with Boca Juniors, it sounds like that was your time in the trenches. And you also mentioned that that's where you got your coaching diploma. So this is now all making sense to me. Is that you didn't you didn't get your education from sitting in a classroom or reading. Um, you know, American soccer coaching books or the DVDs or whatever. It's like you went out there and you got your education a different way. And that's why you have this distinct uh, language and, and distinct way of how your teams play. I, I'm going to link to the video that's that's pinned on your Twitter profile. But um, I, and I hope that people go and look at that because it it, it will it will make sense. Like as, as we're talking right now, people, if they, if they, if you can go and watch that video, please do it because this will all make sense to how distinct this playing style is that, that that you've developed this coaching styles that you've developed so all that said I, I want you to go back to your time with Boca Juniors or if you if you want to respond to everything I just said please please go ahead no absolutely thank you um so at Boca, Boca Juniors was what it was was um 
it was, you know, there's tons of schools all over the world, Boca Juniors, you know, obviously they have like little franchises and where they teach kids their way, but they actually wanted to build um, an academy here. It was the first one that was official that, that they wanted to build, you know, um, something strong and, you know, send kids and or start a team over here or something like that. I'm not, I don't like to go into things I'm not, you know, in on. So whatever. So this guy named Gaston Pernea was the technical director here straight from Argentina. He worked with guys like Grifa, um, Jose Maleo, uh, Oscar Aquino. Those guys are the ones that, you know, they found Carlos Tevez. They found Mauricio Pochettino. Um, they, not that Pochettino had anything to do with Boca. Uh, Grifa found him himself. Um, there's crazy stories. Um, he knows that his father was captain of Boca Juniors in 77 and 78 when they won the first two Copa Libertadores. So, um, you know, he's a pedigree and he was coaching at the under 16s, what they call Octava um, age group in, uh, in um, Argentina during those times. Um, so when he, they sent him over here and uh, I'm, if I could compare him to any coach, it was Diego Simeone. I mean, this guy was ruthless and he was very strong, like very demanded a lot of things with strong, um, like a strong standard. He, you know, he demanded it. And I learned that right away. Like he wasn't going to accept anything less. So he brought that culture with him. Uh, and and uh, the way that the practices were designed there was to teach American kids how to play the Argentinian way, which is like very technical, um, you, know, the, the, you know, passing, shooting, passing shooting receiving dribbling defending heading things like that those main fundamentals um and what happened whatever after two years he was there he he went back to argentina and then they you know they dispatched him somewhere else so there was no director so i i told the the guy in charge i said look we need somebody here that i'm gonna learn from or i can't be here because i need to learn uh, I was, think I was 27 at the time or 26 at the time. And I said, I need to learn. I can't, you know, I, I can't just be coaching without anybody above me. I don't know enough. So I asked to bring in Joe Miso, my mentor, as I think I thought it had been a perfect fit. So he did. He came in, he looked around, he told us to do what we do for a month and he wanted to evaluate everything. Uh, and then at the end of it, he kind of said, look, we have a jewelry box here. We have, what he means by that is we have players that love soccer a strong DNA of soccer. The families love soccer um, and they're here to learn soccer. So we built like a soccer school. Joe actually um, put me in charge of the curriculum where he's like, look, I want you to build the curriculum um, kind of using what you've learned from Gaston and also the stuff that, you know, I mean, him were doing together and we put a, t a curriculum together. And what we did is we separated each track. So there was, three age groups, uh, more or less, per hour and a half. And the, uh, there was three time uh, brackets of when the kids would train, right? So it was uh, 6 to 7.30, 7.30 to 9, 9 to 10.30. All right, so 6 to 7.30 would be anyone from U12 down. And we broke it into three stations. So I would do a station, Jose would do a station, and Edwin or Christian would do the other station. Um, Brittany was in there. Uh, she was another coach that we worked with. And what we would do is we rotated the stations every 30 minutes to give you the hour and a half. But the coaches wouldn't move. So I was doing the same session 
nine times per day. And we would break it into spring, summer, winter, fall, or spring, or spring, summer, fall, winter. So I would do the same session at least minimum four times a year, times it by nine, that's 36 times per year. I don't, you know, so I, I kind of really resonated with at the end of each day, and, I, and I'm not doing it just one time a day, right? We would do the same activity maybe more than once in each in each season. But just think about it. If I only did it once, it's 36 times per year. Um, I don't know how, how other people do their stuff, right? But you're getting you're getting a lot of repetitions in, and you're going to master that activity. So it became where I knew what I wanted to say really quickly to the kids. The kids were familiar with the drills after time. And they were starting to say, oh, I know this. And they would work on the soccer. And then I could layer in more, um, you know, more advanced coaching points. And then I also knew from the 16-year-olds how to how to lift the, the intensity or the tempo. And I knew that, like, with the, like with the 19-year-olds, they were very good. But then we had, like, a group of 23s. The 23s, we had one strong one and one weak one. So, like, we knew the weak one would have to learn what the 15s are learning. And then the 23s would learn what the 19s or, like, you know, a men's team would learn. So we, we I kind of knew how to, you know, put the screwdriver and, like, kind of tighten it or, like, loosen the practices based on the level of the players. Jose, too, and Christian, Edwin, all those guys, Brittany, we all knew, like, you know, we kind of really got – we smelled the, the session and we knew what we needed to say. So can, what I mean by that coaching education there was 30, 36 times per year, I was there for three years. You know, that's 108 times, I think, of the same exact practice, you know. So that was amazing for me. Like I, I really learned like how to coach and like what, what I could do uh, there. And, um, you know, being like kind of in charge of the curriculum there was amazing. And we had kids come from DA programs to train there. We had kids coming from ECNL uh, clubs coming to, uh, to train there. Um, we had, you know, NPL. We had kids that they wouldn't want to leave their programs, but they wanted the education we were giving them over there. So, they, you know, they didn't really learn like things like why do you what do you do in a 2v1 or what do you do in a 3v2? You know, they didn't learn those things. They just, you know, I don't know. They didn't know it. You know, they liked the way we taught it. So the parents would bring them there, get the education there, and then go play at a higher level with the clubs that they were used to, you know, or the, that they were, you know, joined or whatever they're registered to. So, yeah, that's um, that's what we did there, and that's what I mean by in the trenches. And um, I know that that resonates with you because 343 is all about, you know, the th repetition, repetition, repetition. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. Um, and then when I found out about you guys and I saw little things like that and I saw little things about like how you use pattern play and the rondos and we, you know, we did stuff like that, especially from Argentina. They do a lot of rondos um, and the pattern plays, you know, I've done I've done since I was the first day, I thought it was like a little Arrigo Saki. I used to put the cone. I don't know if you saw the video on YouTube. I used to put all the cones down and be like, you know, number three has the ball. How do we press? Like, and then we would press. And then, you know, the videos on YouTube, but like he had little flags in Milan and I was, I would do what he did there. So when I saw, you know, Brian doing that stuff, I was like, yo, this stuff is on point, you know, and I kind of, I, I like to learn from him too and grab those things and use that stuff. So, um, yeah, so that, that's that. The, the repetition thing is, is 
very important and probably very misunderstood as well. And I like the way that you that you talked about it because you weren't talking necessarily about player development, which also happens in that in that case. But you focus specifically on your own development, so the coach the coach's development. And a lot of times, I feel like coaches don't understand that practice is also practice for themselves. It's not just for the players. And if you only teach something one time, you are not going to master it. If you only introduce an exercise in one session uh, and you never revisit that, then that's pointless. And if you, if you do it over and over and over and over again, as a coach, your development is going to be humongous along with your players. And, And that is one very overlooked aspect of just, just practice in general, just training. And I'm, I'm super happy that you brought that up. Um, I want to, John, yeah, go, go for it. Sorry. No, I didn't want to interrupt. Um, do you know what flow state is flow state? So flow state is, uh, yeah, they, they, I can't describe it properly, but the, the way I'm thinking about it is, um, or the last time I heard it described was when they talk about like Steph Curry, like just being in the zone and, exactly. and experiencing flow state. And they talk a lot about it with, um, uh, writers as well, like writers getting into, into, you know, uh, the, the habit, the practice of writing. And then as you go through the habit, you're going to hit like a, a, a flow state where you're, you're not thinking about it anymore. You're just, you know, doing expert work basically. Right. So I'm like, uh, since I've been little, I love Bruce Lee, like Bruce Lee is like one of my idols. So, um, I think there's a quote that says like, I don't want to be, I don't even know if it was him. I think it was Bruce Lee where he says, I need to be a master of a, of one kick doing it a thousand times rather than do one kick a thousand I mean a thousand kicks one time each. I think it was Bruce Lee. Um but Bruce Lee's huge on flow state and basically when you're in an environment where you have to think, you're contaminating your mind. Yep. Um and when you do something and it becomes automated you open up like the back of your mind and and you kind of like channel in like to like, you know, the next level and you're kind of just going off. Like you're kind of like you're unconscious, you know, you're just going, you're in the zone. And yeah, you said it perfectly. Like that's exactly what it is. Um, And you want to achieve that as a coach. You want to achieve that as a player. And if the player's trying to figure out like, where do I go after this? I pass. And then where do I move next? Or, whatever how does this drill work like i'm just trying to figure out all these stupid rules and the fancy new shiny drill you have the kid is not focusing on his technical or tactical or whatever you know development you need to do in my opinion what works for me is you need to do something that the kid is understands what i do and i'm working on my first touch or whatever receiving across your body or the wall pass or whatever it is you know that's where he's going to master those uh, fundamentals it's when he doesn't have to think about how it works um yeah I, I just responded to somebody on on twitter right before i called you and they mentioned that they were going to try to to get through um romeo Jozak's book the croatian football federation curriculum right and i responded that i don't i don't i actually very very rarely read any soccer books and I, I decided to read Romeo's obviously because I'm Croatian and I'm, I'm interested in it. Um, but, uh, but Romeo 
you know, it's talking about his time working with actual teams and players. And, and so I know that, you know, it's based on his real experience. And so one of the things that he talks about in that is, uh, you know, automizing certain actions. So players don't have to actively think about that. Like players shouldn't be actively thinking about receiving on their back foot. Like if players right. are actively thinking about that, that is, like you said, it's, it's a waste of brain power. And right. So get, getting players the, the, the necessary repetitions to eliminate that thought but perfect the action is is one of the goals that, again, is completely overlooked and misunderstood. Like automization, or, uh, automa, I can't even say the word, automizing that action is so simple, is so simple. And if you look at the top, top, top level players, it, you know, it, it you can watch a, a series, sequences of passes where every player on the field is receiving across their body. I guarantee you, not one of those motherfuckers is thinking about it. Like they just <laughs> do it. They just do it. And and and, and you know, coaches m- make an extreme emphasis, uh, or I've noticed lately, of you know, telling players to receive it across their body in games. And it's like, okay, I I understand that, right? Like you you definitely want them. To, to be receiving it across their body, but you shouldn't have to tell them that. Like you shouldn't have to. You should your training session should be hammering that into their heads. Absolutely. So it's it, yeah. I, I could I could go on a soapbox for five hours about that topic, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, damn, dude. This is like I've never I've never written down so many like little quotes in in one interview. I've already filled up two two of my note cards that I keep next to my. Uh, next to my computer just awesome so much good stuff ruthless demanded brought the culture with him um these are all like like goldmine quotes um one of the things that i wrote down and i want to i want to go back to and, and just get your reaction to it is you said you said that at one point you told somebody that i don't know enough like i need to keep learning and yeah i'm curious now that you're you know three or four years past that point and you're in charge of, you know, programs and curriculums and, and, and things. I guess one question would be, how do you feel at this moment? Do you feel like you, you are well versed in how you want to, to coach or are, are you satisfied with, with what you know and you're able to go out and, and teach or are, are you still learning? And then the second question would be, have you started to mentor anybody else at this point? I know you mentioned you're only 30 years old and it might be too early. It might not be, but, um, has the mentor, has the mentor process started for you yet? Okay. Awesome. So, um, I'll start with me looking for mentors and how that that's going. And then, um, and then, you know, we'll go from there, I guess. Cool. Um, so I'm very, I'm blessed big time. Um, because Joe, me so open the door to other people his age for me um which so you know obviously so joe and i had the guy gaston pernia right and now um at bw gachi um anybody that knows soccer in queens or brooklyn man they know who ben bohm is um he's been at gachi for over 50 years if you don't know gachi i don't know if you do if you know i don't know if you know about gachi uh timothy Weyer came out of there okay uh, uh, you know, we, so we sent kids over there. Um, we have kids at Liverpool. Um, like right now, Matteo Rattaccio is at Liverpool. Um, we're this club, you know, we don't have the resources maybe of, 
you know the you know MLS clubs or something, but the the coaching staff they have there, the culture they have there, and the director they have there, they man, they're they are unbelievable. Um, it's just blue collar work, just blue collar players working. Um, you know, and Queens and Brooklyn has loads of talent. Manhattan has loads of talent. So you know we. We just, you know, we grind, kids pop out, you know, we keep our heads down. The coaching staff knows what they're doing and they're in a really, you know, they're just, it's an amazing club, a very special club. It's like a gem of New York. Um, it's, I love that club. Um, I've been infatuated with that club since I was a kid playing against them. Uh, and just, you know, they were just always, you know, you know, just amazing. Um, uh, you know, I was there in Oceanside this year. In California, we have the 17s and the 19s. We're competing against some, you know, MLS clubs over there, um, and it's just like you know, it's it's, all, it's a privilege to be a part of it. Um, so you know, you have Ben Bone there. He just turned 80 years old, and I'm I'm on the phone with him every single day. After after I get off after, the minute I get off a field before the t- before I get into my car, phone call, you know, Ben Bone. How'd it go? Do is there anything I need to know? Um, how did this guy play? Has this guy been, you know, progressing? You know, everything, every detail, the detail I've learned from him, I could take and use in my coaching, or as a as a director, or the or or an owner of a of a business. Like you could take that and use it in any part of life. He's ama- amazing stuff. I'm learning from him. Um, then the academy director there, Paul McGlynn. Like when so when I started working closely with their academy, you know. And this guy, he has his pulse on the team. So he'll watch his training session and, and he'll, the stuff that he has ready to prepare for them. And he'll just see by the by the way they're warming up or the first 30 seconds of an activity. And he's like, nope, not today. Rip up the exercise and go a different direction and get the kids fully engaged. Like he smells when the activity needs to be changed and modified. And then, so I'm learning from that from him right now. And I'm not talking about changing the entire, like, if it was like a, um, whatever, like a small-sided game, he'll, like, stop on a dime and make it a six-goal game. And then I'll explain, like, you know, why he did that. So I'm learning, like, I'm a big fan of bringing one principle through the rondo into my activity, into my pattern, and then into a game. Like, I bring the principle all the way through the entire season, you know what I mean? And by do by by being around this guy Paul, I'm understanding how to fr- keep it fresh by but keeping the same exercises and keeping the same principle that I'm trying to teach the whole time, you know, and just twisting and turning and you know, keeping it live for the kids. So, you know, like in, 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 at the end of like a rondo you know, and I'm like, Jesus, like, you know, like last game, like, you know, they weren't going to the ball quick enough, you know. So obviously there's rondos like 4v1. And if you win the ball, you want to, you know, dribble out of the rondo box and everyone squeezes and blocks the line to get out. Or I learned this one from over there where there's three people on one corner of the cone and then there's three people on the diagonally across with the ball. Everyone has a ball and you throw a defender in the pit in the middle. It's like a lion's den. And then one by one, diagonally so one diagonal will dribble across 
and the defender will go as soon as he gets through to the other side the next one will go and the defender the defenders just go inside this like just you know back and forth like forward backward forward, just going in 1v1 i have it on my on my twitter as well and he's just getting dizzy one and a half minutes and this kid like can't even stand up because there's so many one 1v1 confrontations so like i'll use that and then i'll use what i've learned from like paul and be like all right like you know they're trying they weren't sharp in the game like when we lost the ball they weren't like lions where i need to jump on onto the ball again so that i'll use that and like you know bring that intensity up and be like we weren't good enough this weekend and now i just showed you we weren't good enough we have to you know fix our training. you know just something like that i just i just picked you know i just kind of um i just kind of uh thought of that real quick um as far as mentoring of younger coaches um so our, i'm like really proud of the guys that we, that we have over there at johan juniors um these guys are animals man like i'm in the library from 8 a.m this is what i do full time right me jose lopez christian velasquez um us three are in the library every single day for the past three or four years from 8 a.m to like 3 p.m. every day before practice. And we're just literally whatever. If it's a book on human nature that we're trying to read to master like how the human mind works or we're just planning sessions and like ripping last night's session apart or we're watching videos, we're blessed because all our games are taped professionally by some guy, the Argentinian guy, Martin. Uh, you could see him on our videos. He's always commentating. Like we watch those videos for hours during the week. And we take clips and see, like, you know, this guy did this right or wrong or the team's not getting the correct spacing in these moments. Uh, and we we rip everything apart every every single day, like we're, like as if it's a brand new day, like starting from scratch. And we just keep ripping it apart and, like, trying to get better. And, um, like, this guy Christian, he's 22 years old. He has a C license. He's ready to go for his B. He's applying now. 22 years old, you know. So yeah, he definitely looks up to us. I'm 30. Jose's 29. He has Joe in his life, like teaching him as well. Joe kind of he'll mentor everybody, you know. Um, he's our he's and I also brought him and he's our director at Johan Juniors right now as well. Um, so he, uh, I always want someone above me, you know. I don't I don't want to be. I'm 30 years old. I cannot. I need to learn, you know. And I don't think that will ever stop, even if I'm the head of a program, you know. Even if I'm the head of like, you know a huge program i'm still gonna look to other programs and learn because you know it's important obviously but joe so like yeah christian definitely looks up to us and sees like what we're doing and we but he uh he he does it on his own you know we don't have to tell him hey you know this is how we do it he sees what we're doing he sees that it works and he's like i want I want to learn that. Like he'll be asking questions. I'll be asking him questions. He's, he's very, very bright. So I'll go and ask him questions or, you know, what he's very good at is he works with, uh, he works with, um, a lot of analytical people. So he'll look at a game, he'll break it down and he'll say, you know what I've noticed? Um, it takes too long for us to mark when we lose the ball. Like it, I'm not talking about in the immediate pressure area. Like as soon as we lose the ball, you know, the closest guys will go to the ball and press. He's talking about like the right back getting across and tightening up the back. Like he thinks it takes too long. But like, that's from this weekend. Like literally yesterday we had a, we had a game and he's, he's like, that, that has to be fixed. Like he's very, he's very detailed. Um, 
Yeah, so like I don't know if you consider that it's not. I wouldn't consider myself a mentor, but um, if you ask Christian, I'm sure he's thinking that you know he's he's happy to be around you know guys that are older than him, and uh, we're all like kind of rubbing off of each other. We have like a little. Um, it's just I don't know what to, what word to use. It's like a little oven of like people just trying to be the best that they can be we're buzzing our practices are buzzing it's like fully charged energetic everyone's under 32 a licenses b license c licenses everything um like you know these guys are all going like you know trying to educate themselves and just putting a lot of time into what we're doing and trying to like succeed and you know everyone is trying to be the best and reach the highest level there is no one there part-time there is no one there trying to pick up a paycheck and there's definitely not anyone there that's recreational even if we have to we, we work with a recreational group we we act professional with that team you know we give them the best experience possible so it's 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 really good i, I love working with them john i i hope you never you never change man this and i hope that people listening go back and listen to this again and just listen to the language that you use. It, it, it to me, it's amazing, man. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air. So, I'm gonna, I'm Thank gonna, you. I'm gonna rattle off some more things that you that you said that I've written or that I've that I've wrote down. So you said buzzing, fully charged. Uh, you you've mentioned you or you've used the word smells. Uh, you know, like four or five times now. Like you can, you know, they could smell the 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 like basically. I think you're referring to like the fraud on the on the coach's breath. Like if you don't mean it, then the co- the players can smell it on on the person's breath. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned blue collar, lions, animals. Like these are these are just words that you you don't hear American coaches using, and that to me uh, is very important. It, you're you have developed your own identity, your own way of 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 going about teaching the game, and I think that is very very important, man. Um, you mentioned the word conviction earlier. And, and I actually wrote down, uh, right next to it, I wrote down the word protagonist with a question mark. And, and here's the reason why. Um, I can't remember which American uh, journalist it was, soccer journalist it was, but you know they highlighted somebody's use of the word protagonist and said that, oh yeah, like you know that's not a word that gets used in American soccer. And then I snapped back right away and I was like, it's absolutely a word that people use in American soccer, but not in the traditional American coaching circles, people that are outside of that network of, of, of the, you know, sterile, boring, um, you know, coaching, coaching in education environment, people outside of that environment use words like that. They use words like conviction. They use words, uh, like the, the things that I've, I've rattled off now and that it, it just, it's so important to me, man. And if, people take anything away from this episode i want it to be the language aspect of it because it's very unique and coaches should always be trying to be unique and different and not like anybody else and absolutely and and i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't be happier with how this conversation has gone i could literally sit and talk to you for probably you know i would actually love to to come join you guys in the library someday and just you know sit with you guys for 8 hours absolutely absolutely anytime um, you obviously you've listened to the show before, so I think you know what question's coming next, but, um, yep. what do, uh, w- what do people need to know, man? I, I feel like you, your perspective on this is, is very, is very important. Could be, could be very different. Um, but, it, but I just, 
I'm buzzing with with excitement about how this interview has gone, and I'm excited to hear how you might answer that question. So, what do you think people need to know? Awesome. Listen. So, there's one thing I I I I really I would be so pissed if we didn't talk about it. Okay. So yeah, yeah. But 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 there's one thing that um I want to leave off with telling coaches. So, which would you rather do first? Let's uh, let's do uh, oh shit. Well. Let's <laughs> let let's do the thing that you that you really want to talk about. We can come back to to what people need to know. Maybe people maybe this is going to entice them to stick around even longer. Is that cool? Yeah, go for it. Okay, um, I'm going to say something right now that people are not going to want to hear, but I'm going to say it because I think I have enough people's ears. You know, you guys do. You know, you guys <laughs> get a lot of now, listeners. Man. What are you going to say? <laughs> Look, winning winning is important. All right. Yeah. <laughs> winning is important man. i know that you would love it I'm, I'm saying a lot of people are probably gonna get you know but look it's important i don't care if the when I, all right so imagine that we have we have a bunch of 2013 kids right now 2013s they're five and six years old these kids are their, their talent is off the charts right so imagine i'm there there's about there's you know six people there's jose with me is Christian with me? Joe, um, Carlos is with me, and Max is with me, and we're looking at these kids in the eyes, and we say to them, "Do you want me to treat you like a kid? That's fine. Or do you want me to treat you like you're on the Brazilian national team?" And you know, obviously they're going to, it sounds cool. I'm going to be, I want to be on the Brazilian national team. Right. So I said, okay, good. So this is what we want you to do. A hundred percent effort and a hundred percent focus. Like those two things I learned from Gaston and, um, those things are what we consider are mandatory. Any mistakes is fine. And we make mistakes all the time. We tell the kids, everyone's makes mistakes. We don't care if you miss shots. I don't care if you take the wrong shot. I don't care about any of that stuff. You have to give these two things, right? And then we tell them we always want to win. Six years old, we'll tell them. Five years old, we want to win. And I'll tell you why. Winning winning is what we're trying to do and when we compete in anything. And it gives you this – when you win, you feel good. You know what I mean? And the problem is, is that like, if you do something bad, you know how to feel bad, you know, you, you feel that guilt or ashamed or whatever, you know how to do that. But then when you hold the door open for somebody, like people don't know how to feel good about it. Like you need that stuff gives you inner strength. When you do something good for people, you have to feel that you can't always feel you're cheating yourself if you only feel bad when you do bad things. So like, Kids cry when they lose. You know what I mean? Like every like kids will cry when they lose. So feel good when you win also. And when you win, you're, you're when you when you creating people with winning mentality. And let me hold on one second. So like parents, they want to say it's not all about winning, right? Okay. Your kid gets your kid scores the winning goal. Don't tell me your car ride home isn't awesome. Don't tell me you didn't tell your friends how you know he scored the winning goal. Don't tell me that you didn't tell your kid, your, your friends that your kid won, you know, 
four trophies this summer. Don't tell me that because it's, it's you're you know you're full of crap, man. Like I don't want to hear that. No one is proud to lose, and that builds character. When you're winning, it's good. Now this is the difference. Me as a coach, my job is to create winners. It's not it's it's to develop the winning mentality. It's not to friggin' like you know do something where it's like win at all costs or like this kid is not going to play because this kid's going to win because this team wants to win. Like obviously at some level, yeah, but it's to get the kids to understand winning is important. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not dump the ball long to win the game. It's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I want the kids stepping on the field wanting to win because now when you go and you go to apply to St. John's University or you apply to you know columbia university don't tell me winning is not important when you get that letter that says you didn't make it man you know like you gotta put it in but you gotta put the work in now if you wanna what you put into it is what you get out of it and if kids see that it's soccer at eight years old and they're working their asses off and then they're getting results and they're focused and they're prepared and they're eating the right things and they're getting here on time and the parents are giving everything and the support you're building little professional people, not professional players. And that stuff is, is you could take in any in any walk of life. You could take that with you. So it drives me crazy when people like winning is not important. Like, no, man, go watch our kids play. Those kids want to win all the time. And it's not us. Like, it's not about me, man. Winning, I don't give a damn. I don't even step in the pictures if you see pictures you're never going to see a coach in there unless it's like just like a great session today or something you know like it's not about us it's it's the kids that won we're not winning anything i've been on the end of like you know 12-0 score lines and the other end of it the wrong end of them you know it's not about me the kids are the ones in the field so it's like you want those kids to want to win and I'm, I'm like kind of trying to scream at whoever's listening it's like develop winners man develop winners don't 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 develop mickey mouse people uh society today you know it's very soft so you know don't be scared to you know to bring that to the table because uh i think everyone will like the results i couldn't have said it any better man and and the way that you described um like the 100% 100% focus, 100% effort is actually something that's part of like the 343 coaching curriculum as well. And and we, we just say that it's non-negotiable. You know, th- those two things are non-negotiable. And if you, if you offer those two things to your teammates and to your coaches and the result isn't in our favor, no problem. Like it, like we, we cannot be mad right. at you if you, if you are doing those two non-negotiable things. Right. Exactly. And you also talked about like when they step on the field, they, they have to, you know, want to win. And, and, and I think it's also, it also brings up the point of, of, you know, you develop a style of play that the kids believe in and understand how, how that is going to get them a win. And so it's like they, when they step on the field, they, they believe they can win because they, they understand the plan of how they are going to go about winning the actual game. And, and that is missing in, in, in a lot of um, a lot of ways, I think, across the board in American soccer is that a lot of times kids step on the field and they're not too sure what the game plan actually is. And so it's kind of like a 50-50, like, eh, we might win today, but we might lose. And they, they, they don't really understand or, or even have a plan a lot of times. And so if you have a plan that you believe in, 
then you are enabling that that um, that winning mentality, that winning mindset to to take over. And I am absolutely in favor of that. Like, yeah, you you should want to win all the time. Yeah. So definitely, I'm glad you brought it up, man. But we don't talk about that enough on the on on this podcast. I I should talk yeah. about that every episode, actually. No, like if I didn't if I didn't say that on this podcast, <laughs> it would be sacrilegious. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, damn it. So so you have another answer then for what people need to know? Because that was that would have been a great answer for that. <laughs> yeah, I I do because this one is like something that I, I've never heard anybody say before. Besides, okay. uh, like in our circle, which is um. Like, like what we have to understand as coaches is that we're um we're a family um and like you you got you you're not the enemy i'm not the enemy like people have to understand that when we get on the field when we get on the field man it's war you know like i'm gonna shake your hand i'm gonna tell you i'm not even i'm not gonna tell you good luck honestly i don't really do that i'm gonna say you know my name is john you know what's your name um, you know, let, let's do it, you know, and I'm going to get on the field and we're, the kids are going to, the kids are going to try to win the game, but w- by any means necessary within, the, within, you know, the, the right rules of the game, you know, and then it's a war and just don't look at me during the game. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm very friendly. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm, you know, I've never gotten, I've never even got a yellow card as a coach and I've never gotten to an altercation with a coach on the field. At the end of the game, I don't care. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, you know, I want to hug you, man. You know, I want to say, yeah, man, you good game, and that's it. We're cool. During that time frame of the game, uh, it's war, you know. But people have to understand, like you're doing the same thing as I am. You're trying to get, you're trying to squeeze national team players out. You're trying to bring these kids to play, be um, student athletes you know, and major or whatever college you're trying to get at the very most recreational level, you're trying to get these kids to exercise and, you know, get a love for the game, which is awesome. I've been there. I'm still there. You know, I have, I have teams, you know, within our program that it's, it's, you know, they want to love soccer and I love those kids, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not a competitive only person, you know, like uh, those kids, but we tell them, Hey, we, you know, we're on the field, let's win it, you know, but, the the coaches have to understand that you're not the enemy and we're supposed to be a fraternity. Um, that's how we're going to advance and progress. Um, this guy, one of the, uh, this guy uh, on Twitter, I saw it pinned to someone's profile. Um, his, I follow him. His name is Logan. Do you know who I'm talking about? You, I think you follow him as well. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's a couple Logans. I'm wondering if it's Logan from Oregon. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. And it says on us, it says the difference between what I've learned in Spain and um, in America is in Spain, they tell you, what can I learn from you? And in America, it's let me show you what I know. Like, mm-hmm. the, man, he hit the nail on the head with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that quote. I, 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 you know, I tell people about that quote. Um, that's that's it. You, you can't be like that, man. You have to you have to we're, we're a fraternity. We're all doing the same thing. And even if the guy, you know, obviously there's some jerks, you know, which is whatever, but you're going to meet jerks in life. But I'm saying like, you're doing the same thing as I am. You're not my enemy. We're all on the same page. Like, let's, let's, let's understand that, you know, that's basically what I want to tell everyone. And that's what I think everyone should know because uh, it's important. A good, uh, 
a good top-level case study would be the friendship that Mourinho and Sir Alex Ferguson have. And if you if you you know look up if you Google the right things, you can find like you know stories about those guys getting wine together after the game and and you know be, having having a friendship and a relationship outside of uh, the sport. But that does not mean that when Chelsea was playing Manchester United, that it, it wasn't an absolute full-fledged war on the field because it absolutely was. And then right. out, outside of that, yeah, those two guys are part of a fraternity of coaches that are uh, the absolute elite level. And, and yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they offer, you know, suggestions and, 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 and yeah, just, just, they have, they have a friendship outside of that. And it's, it's probably, you know, a more recent, um, example would be Bielsa and you know it, it came out that after Athletic Bilbao played against Barcelona you know Bielsa offered the report to Pep like hey Pep like you know here's the report on your team obviously you know my scouting didn't work but you know here's here's everything that I had on you guys something like that and and Pep's like oh man like you know more about Barcelona than I know about Barcelona and and, and, um, and you know, but but that friendship, that fraternity, that fraternity off the field, you know, on the field, of course. Like if you watch Bielsa's team play, they're like, you know, savages, savage, absolute savages. And then in the <laughs> locker room after the game, you know, Pep, him and Pep are shaking hands. So I, 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 I do think that that's a very important aspect. And, and as American coaches, a lot of times we probably tend to be very territorial. We tend to be, um, you know, very standoffish. We we try to protect whatever we have in a, in a, in a malicious way, man, it's, it's very malicious a lot of times. And, you know, negative, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a, a very common recruiting tactic or a very common just tactic in general in, in American soccer is to, is to bash or, or, or talk shit on, on another team or another coach, another player in order to prop yourself up. And that's not necessarily the right way to go about it. It's just you should be proving yourself on the field and that work should stand for itself. And this is another reason why we always advocate coaches show their own work like you've done, like you've posted videos of your work. Like let the work talk, like let 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 the work do the talking. Don't go around talking shit about people if you are too afraid to let your work do your talking. That's right. So that's right. Dude, you you brought up some amazing topics. I hope that I hope that people enjoyed listening to you talk. Thank you, thank you. Um, it was a pleasure. Um, yeah, anytime, man. I I love to talk soccer. I do this all day long. <laughs> that's that's badass, man. Uh, where can people Where can people find you on social media? Where can they find videos of your of your work? Where Where can people connect with you? Um, so, my Twitter is J. K O K K O R I S eight, the number eight. Um, and on you could Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's Johan J O H A N Jr. spelled out soccer. Um, that's where we put all our video stuff, um, you know, pictures, anything like that. Um, and yeah, if you. Do you mind if I talk? Just mentioned the coaches that help build that program. Is Go that cool? It. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because uh, a couple of guys, you're not going to see many followers, right? Because they're new to the Twitter stuff. Like I've been showing them, like things like that. But these guys, just because they have, you know, whatever, seventy followers or sixty followers, doesn't mean that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Some people aren't even on Twitter, and they're just miles, you know, ahead of people. Um, so 
uh, Jose Lopez, you can find him under my under my friends or my followers, Christian Velasquez, um, and Carlos Mary, um, and one huge one, Max Kimbrough. Um, he's not big on Twitter at all, but Max is a genius, man. This guy, if I ever get to the level I want to be at, whether it's in the national team or uh, Europe or MLS or whatever it is, that kid's that guy's coming with me. I mean, that guy's miles ahead of anybody I've ever met. He's a better coach than I, he's a better coach than I can hope to be um, analytically and just reading the game. He's a mastermind. Um, so follow those guys. Thank you, John, for letting me um, mention those guys. And um, that's it, man. Follow three four three. Those guys know what they're doing, and uh, highly highly push those guys. So I push those guys. I recommend them. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.